Founders face mentors and masters. I'm Captain Hawk, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. I am here today with Dr. Richard Schuster, clinical psychologist and CEO of Your Success Insights. Dr. Richard, welcome to the show. Captain Hoff, it is awesome to be here. I loved having you on The Daily Helping, and I was so excited when this day would arrive so I could come on this show and talk to everybody and hopefully add some value and wisdom. I want you to start by telling us a little about your background and what you do now. Sure. So I'm the CEO of Your Success Insights, and we are an assessment company which provides digital assessments to to government in the world of trauma and addiction recovery, to corporations in the world of peak performance and balance, and to consumers and entrepreneurs on wellness and balance. So I do those things. I also host the Daily Helping podcast. I am by my training, I'm a clinical psychologist with subspecialties in forensic and neuropsychology and a former IT guy, which I know you appreciate as well. I do. I appreciate the IT, but I also appreciate that you were a psychologist. And I understand that you've had some very personal experiences in your life that led you to the career you're on now. The initial experience, if you will, what created the 2.0 version of me was during my first startup, I won a contract with the Department of Defense to help them with software for the medical records of the United States Army. And on my way to building what was clearly going to be the next Microsoft, I suffered a near-death experience in a car accident in which I broke my spine and almost died. And that was uh, the incident, kind of the spark, which led me to say, hey, you know, I, I need to do something that really fills me with passion with excitement, with purpose. And it led me to leave that industry completely, become a social worker, get my doctorate in clinical psychology. And uh, ironically enough, life is full circle because I I run a tech company again, albeit for, for very different reasons. But that was really the moment that started my transformation into 2.0. was a much newer uh, incident. And I, if you're listening to this and you're a business owner like me in all likelihood or thinking about it, uh, I can tell you that a year and a half ago, I was king of the world in my mind. I, I had really, my business was doing well. I had just delivered my first TED talk. I was loving my life. And then I had a stroke and almost died. And you're young. You're um, not old. My kids tell me I'm old, but thank you. No, I, it, shouldn't have happened because no drinking. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I've never done drugs. I worked out seven days a week. I ate right. I meditated. I did all the stuff you're supposed to do. Right. And so when this stroke happened, the doctors were really confused for a number of reasons, uh, mostly those, but in, in the world of medicine, and nobody wants to be the guy that misses anything for risk management reasons, right? So they sent me to every specialist imaginable. They, you know, they had the, the cancer theory. He's got to have cancer. Send him to an endocrinologist. Send him to this ologist and that ologist. When all the results came back negative, 
my neurologist and I were sitting in his office going over the results. And he said to me, he said, Richard, um, all these are negative. I need to ask you about stress in your life. And I was like, I don't have any. <laughs> and he kind of rolls his eyes a little bit and he says, well, how many hours a week are you working? And I said, well, you know, let me stop you right there. I'm a business owner. I love what I do. I don't really work at all because it's my passion. And then he's really irritated with me, Captain. <laughs> he says, how many hours a week do you love what you do? <laughs> I said, about 80. And, ah, 80 yeah, hours. Yeah, 60 on the low end, but usually around 80. I'd, you know, I always made time for my kids. I would stop and, you know, they'd come home from school and we'd do homework and have dinner and story time and all the fun things. But they went to bed. I was right back on that laptop because there were always customers to email and prospects and things to do, right? And I, I really, then that was the thing. And he, he said to me, he's like, work is work. I don't care if you like it or you don't. If you keep burning the candle on both ends, you know, getting up at 4 a.m. and doing my morning routine and all that, and ultimately shutting the laptop at 11 p.m., he's like, this is going to happen again. And where the stroke in my brain was, was literally less than a fingernail's length off of an, a structure called the basal ganglia, which is involved in speech and motor movement. So think Parkinson's, right? And so I, I literally, like think about a fingernail clip <laughs> next time you cut your toenails. That's the difference, Captain Hoff, between me being here with you and your audience right now and me being probably in a wheelchair. I would have lived, but I might not have been able to speak. I certainly wouldn't be doing what I'm doing and I'd be a burden to my family. And so, you know, that was the thing that my wife was, you know, put her hand, her head in her hands and started crying because she's like, he's an animal. He's never going to stop working. And my doctor told me like, I had to radically transform my life or this could happen again. That is really a wake up call for so many people out there because myself, I'm a driven entrepreneur. I have been my whole life, always. You know, whenever I have a free moment, I'm doing something like I, and usually it's for my business yeah. and almost every other entrepreneur I know out there behaves the same way. And we're taught to think you have to do that as an entrepreneur to be successful, but at what cost? And this is something that hit you really hard because all of us tell ourselves, we love our jobs. We wouldn't be working this hard if we didn't love it. We'd be doing something else. But at the same time, you can love something and you can push it way too far. And like you weren't getting enough sleep. I'm sure that played a big role in, in your condition. You hit the nail right on the head. We wear this on our sleeves as a badge of honor. You know, you'll see if you ask an entrepreneur, you know, give me five entrepreneurs and they're all going to tell me the same thing. Uh, I can overcome any obstacle. Like we beat it on our chest. Like I'll crush those goals and I'll put in 10,000 hours a day if I have to, you know, we'll, we do these crazy things because we create these romanticized crusades in our minds telling us why, right? What's our why? I'm doing it for my family so that my wife and kids have security or I'm doing it to make the world a better place or to leave a legacy. You know, there's all these really, and they're all noble, just and correct reasons why we started our businesses, right? And that's the problem is that we get so wrapped up in the idea that we fail to notice, holy crap, I've been at this laptop for 14 straight hours, 15 straight hours without a break. And it's very insidious. And, and we can always find, it's very easy to find justification 
to do that next thing. Oh, I should work on that marketing deck. Oh, let me, let me create this. Let me create some new content. We easily get in this trap of not being able to slow down because we love it or worse, we, we sell ourselves this story about how if I don't respond to every little thing, I'm going to lose money. If a customer emails the, before my stroke, if somebody sent me an email at nine o'clock at night, 1030 at night, I was on it because I got to provide great customer service, right? I've got to generate sales. I've got to do all these things as a business owner. The reality is there's very few instances where you're going to get an email at 11 o'clock at night. Now emergencies happen, right? Fires are real. And, and there's just something we have to deal with. But most of the things that we would think are fires are not fires. Most of the customers or prospects that might send us an email requesting information at 10 o'clock at night are not going to go to your nearest competitor if you haven't responded the next day. They just won't. And, and you, know, you can say that's naive, but that's, <laughs> that's the reality is that we get our, we, we believe because we drive the boat we're the captain, right? That everything, every prospect is equal. Every opportunity is equal. And they're just simply not. They're not. You know, if Oprah Winfrey were to call me at 10 o'clock at night, I'd probably take that call. But there are very few people on this earth that I'm going to talk to after hours because I realize that the business will still exist the next day. And my well-being, my family, these are the things that I'm focusing on now. It's true. And by putting those limits, you also de-emphasize the impact of all those little things coming at you. Because even though you love your work and you're passionate about it, when somebody responds and you feel like you need to respond right away, that's a stress reaction. That's kind of, it gets your cortisone going. You, you react in a stressful, oh, I have to do this. I have to. That is what was killing you, basically. That was what over and over and over and over. And I think a lot of us do this. Like we care so much that we have a hard time separating what really matters from the things that aren't that important. At the time, we may think they're important, but they aren't. So give us some other techniques for all of the entrepreneurs out there that we can use to set our psychology in the right way to deal with this. I think there's two things that I'm going to give you guys that have really transformed what I'm doing in my life and enabled me to actually generate more revenue, working a lot less. And you can do this no matter what stage, whether you're bootstrapping or you have you know, $100 million in venture capital funds. The reality is your schedule is the most important thing. And for me, it's almost a fanatical game about how can I save time? So if you're at the grocery store and you need onions and a bag of onions is like $3 for like a bunch of onions or it's two and a half dollars for a small container of pre-chopped onions, the pre-chopped onions is a smarter buy because you're saving time. So your schedule is all that you need to really focus on in the beginning. And, and what I do for me personally, I have a very, very specific filter and you can add as many layers to your filter and adjust it however you do, but I'm gonna share with you how mine works. So if somebody is gonna get on my work calendar 
they have to meet these requirements. Number one, the person who would be my meeting has to care more about helping people first and generating revenue second. Not that revenue is not important. I get it. We're all business owners, but they have to have a genuine commitment to improving the lives of others. If they do that, check, they go to my second rung of that filter. That question is simply, can the synthesis of what I do and they do create a better offer? You know, are they the chocolate to my peanut butter, right? And so if there seems like a good opportunity that we could put our two things together and do significant good and help a lot of people, second check. And the third check, and this check is different depending on where you are and what stage of your business, is I have a number for me that this meeting would have to appear as though it would generate X number of dollars for both parties. So it's not one way that it's very clear, oh, if I do a joint venture with this person, I'm going to make this much money. They're going to make this much money. And if those three things are not met, you don't get on my business calendar. You might be a great guy and maybe we'll barbecue one day and hang out and watch football, but there's no universe that you get on my work schedule. So that's the first thing I would tell people and, and really be hyper vigilant about your calendar because it's really easy to get on LinkedIn and spend an hour and 5 zillion people will send you messages about nonsense and none of them are going to move your business forward or most won't, I shouldn't say none. So that's one thing that I would say. So now we've got our schedule, we've worked the filter, and then I want to take you through an exercise I call my four Ds. And I'm going to say what those are, because these, these for me are decision making around a task. So essentially, my first D is, stands for do. I have to decide whether I want to do something. And I ask myself, you know, is this something I'm really excited about? Or is this something I really want to do? Will this really benefit my business? It's either a hell yes, or it's a hell no. If I don't feel hell yes, I need to do this, then I'm not doing it. But there are elements of a business that you cannot, you have to do even if you don't want to do them. So my second D is delegate. If it's mission critical and I either don't want to do it, don't have the time to do it, or it's not, or, or it's not even in my wheelhouse, right? Like search engine optimization is important, right? I don't do that myself. I don't know how to. <laughs> so to take the time to learn something, I don't do it. I outsource it to a VA, right? And so the second D is for delegate. The third D, as it comes to making a decision is, is this something that has to happen pretty quickly or not at all, right? So I prioritize in terms of time. If it's something that isn't important for me to be working on right now, then that third D is delay. And I'll just kick the can down the road and wait to address it at a time when it's more pressing. Or the fourth D, is it even necessary? If it's not, drop it. And so those four Ds are something that I use every day as I look at my tasks. I remember back in the day, my, my first mentor out of school in a sales job taught me the Stephen Covey system and how you arrange you know, your activities and rank them by priority. This is kind of how I do it. And this works for me uh, and you can tinker with it, but this is something that I feel is very important. And then I want to give you a, a third technique. And this one's harder for a lot of people because it's counterintuitive. 
is that your first answer when anybody asks you anything should be no. And that sounds very counterintuitive and like, wait a minute, you know, you're building a business and people, the reality is, again, your time is very finite. And so when people ask me something, again, I put it through the filter and then I think about the four Ds, but ultimately, if, if it's not going to be something that immediately radically impacts my business in a positive way, then I usually tell people something like this, you know, this is really, this sounds really cool. I'd like to explore this more in the future, but right now I've got this this project. And when I do things, I put hundred myself, hundred percent of myself into it. And I, I just, I want to be able to give you that same degree of attention that I've got to give this person now. And that's a really nice, it's not you, it's me thing to where if it's not something you want to revisit, then you don't have to ever revisit it. You can just always be busy, but you know, the filter, the four D's and saying no, are three things that if you implement them in your life, you're going to have much more control over your time. You're going to improve radically the type of relationships you are bringing into your business professionally because they're going to have to meet certain parameters or they don't even get on your schedule. And then you're going to have a way of figuring out the hierarchy of how you do tasks as well to further improve your time. And again, by saying no to people, you are only really going to say yes to the opportunities that are going to radically impact your business. I have found that same thing to be true in my life because I get approached by a lot of people and I'm naturally a passionate person. I get excited. I'm very interested in what everybody's doing. So my natural inclination is to say, yeah, let's do that or let's explore that. But invariably, the more I say yes, the more things I have on my plate, the fewer things I can follow up with, and then it's really hard once you say yes to then say no. It's much easier to say no and then say yes later if you change your mind. But if you say yes, and then all of a sudden you, you're just too busy, you know, I myself, I get too, too many things on my plate. I can't follow up on them. So I have to go back and say, look, you know, I thought I could do this, but I really can't. I've found that's very awkward. So saying no upfront is so much better. Now I do that stretch. I'm pretty much no to almost everything. Uh, very selective about what I do. The delay that you were talking about, really important. You know, some things you just can't decide on. You don't have enough facts. You don't know what your schedule will be like in the future. There are all these other competing things going on, but delaying it is a really good way to just say, oh, I'll revisit this at a later time. And more often than not, you, you never come back. Because the reason you delayed it is because it just what it didn't reach that threshold mm -hmm. that's really important. So the other thing entrepreneurs face is that they have this pressure. I always say the worst boss in the world you can have is, you know, not that person at work who's riding you, you know, driving you to do stuff, but yourself. Like, because you can never escape yourself. Like you, if you're your own boss, you're always in your head day and night. How do you turn that boss off? How do you get that boss under control? I'll tell you, there's a few things that I do. Number one, and I didn't used to do this, uh, my work space is only for work and the work stays there. When I sit down at my desk, and I actually, I actually have a separate computer that's for my business than I do with the podcast. It's like it, it energetically just feels different. So I don't take it all over the house. I uninstalled after my stroke, my work email app on my phone. If there's truly an emergency, people are going to be able to get a hold of me. People know how to get a hold of me when they need to. And so I've almost compartmentalized work. 
to where it stays in its bubble, where it belongs. The other thing that I do is I build into my schedule personal pursuits. I build gaming into my schedule in small increments, but I get to game. I love it. I'm a gamer. Tell me how you build gaming into your schedule where it doesn't bleed into everything else. Because when I start playing a game, it is so hard to stop. There's two ways I've done it. One, when I I used to game a bit in the morning, although now my kids are old enough to want to grab the controller and steal it. And so that doesn't work really anymore in my house. But I would do it in the morning to where, okay, like I've got an appointment at 8.30. So I can't can't keep playing and be late to the appointment or for me when there's a finite stop in the day. So I schedule my gaming uh, in the half hour after my last appointment and before my kids come home from school. And so it actually serves for me as a really cool transition out of the workday to where, you know, my business is done. I'm doing done doing the work on the business for the day. Then I get 30 minutes to immerse myself in that game. And it could be whatever you love to do. If it's cooking, it could be, you know, exercising, whatever it is. But then I've got this natural stop point because when my kids come home, like they've got homework, right? That's what we have to do the homework. And then there's dinner and I'm the cook. So, right. I've got to start dinner and, and I love that. So I build these natural signals to end the gaming. And so that's, that's what I've been able to do. Cause sure, you know, you can blink and two hours go by, you know, otherwise, but that's, but it allows me again to fully transition away. And I really don't think about it. I will have an idea like, oh, this would be really neat to tie into a product or whatever. But like I have gotten really good and I worked at it. It's not, it wasn't always this way for me. At, at leaving work at work and actually a lot of the techniques that I learned as a psychologist, I've applied to this because some of the people I worked with, I mean, when I did forensic work, I would work with people who are violent criminals or sexually abused children or, you know, battered women. Like I saw some really horrible stuff and I was able to put that in its little bubble so that when I stopped doing my psychology work, I could hug my kids and be very present. And I I use some of those same ideas and things to keep business where it belongs. My final question. What's the best advice you've ever received? So actually, it's so applicable to what we've been talking about, but it was told to me by a postdoc uh, on his residency when I was just a a wee young intern uh, working at Emory Hospital or Grady Hospital through Emory back in the day here in Atlanta. And uh, myself and a number of other uh, doctoral students were kind of stressed out. And we had this big uh, psychopharmacology midterm and the the professor was known as kind of a monster, not as a human being, but in terms of tests. And, you know, we had all these responsibilities and he just said, you know, Richard, the work always gets done. And I kind of like cocked my head like a puppy that sort of understands a word, but doesn't fully understand a word. And he he went on to elaborate and said that, you know, there's always going to be work, but you can shut your laptop. You can, (laughs) you can do other things and know that you'll always have enough. You always have the skills and abilities to get whatever you need done done. You know, I, I kind of nodded in agreement, but didn't live my life that way until my stroke. And so I will tell you that no matter what is on your plate, no matter what is on your plate, there is always, always a way to shut that laptop 
to recharge. And actually, scientifically, you're a more effective business person, you're a more effective person, period, when you do give yourself that balance, when you do take some self-care, when you do get adequate sleep than if you did it otherwise. Dr. Richard, that's been great advice. Now tell our audience how they can find you. So there's a couple of ways. You can go to the mothership, which is drrichardschuster.com and spell it any way you want. I bought, people always screw up my name. So I bought every domain uh, configuration imaginable or imaginable. It is, uh, but I'll, I'll spell it anyway. It's drrichardschuster.com. That'll have links to everything I'm up to, my speaking, my podcast, uh, the daily helping, which we didn't talk about and all these other things. And, and I would actually like to offer something pretty cool because of what happened to me, we were not in the consumer space. And after I recovered from my stroke, I said, this was my wake up call, but there's a lot of working moms and dads, a lot of business owners that are starting up a business that don't have some of these resources that we had, that I had. And so I created the world's first empirically derived assessment on work-life balance for consumers. And it has a focus on entrepreneurship. It's called the powers and you could find it at seekyourpowers.com. If you use the code Captain Hoff, all one word, uh, what we'll do is two cool things. Number one, a percentage of every proceed is going to go to charity. And I'm gonna let Captain Hoff pick the charity, which is super fun. Number two is that we are launching a companion app for this assessment on work-life balance. And when that is ready, everybody who has purchased powers using the code Captain Hoff will get a month of that for free. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.